0: Just go to indeed.com slash blue wire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's indeed.com slash blue wire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
1: And once again, we are talking to Keith Smith. He is a host of the front office show, contributor to the Celtics blog, which is part of SB Nation, and writer for Spot Track. Now, Keith, let's get into this game preview. All right. Knicks just came off with a, a big win against the Cleveland Cavaliers last night, you know, so we're feeling pretty good uh, because we don't have Mitchell Robinson right now. We're down our top, uh, our the anchor of our defense, top shot blocker rim protector. You know, he, the Knicks were leading in second chance opportunities and that was because of him. He's just uh, an elite offensive rebounder. And so we're missing him. So for us to get the win over the Cleveland Cavaliers, we have Jared Allen Evan Mobley as their front court. That's just huge for us. So coming into this game, this is another tough matchup. Celtics are number one in the East. You know, you got Tatum, you got Brown. If smart comes back, you got your big three again, and that's going to be grueling. So for me, this is for the Knicks, you know, this will, they will need to play a perfect game in order to keep up with Boston, even with all the injuries that we have, and we can go through all that in a bit. But the one matchup that I'm looking at right now, and you mentioned that he could be returning uh, and you wouldn't be surprised it's Jalen Brunson versus Marcus smart. And, and for me, it's because Brunson defensively, he, you know, he's, he's a small point guard. He's not, he's not going to be a lockdown defender. He's good. He's just susceptible to mismatches because of his height. But what he does do is that he can create his own offense, right? right. Good isolation score. He's a good playmaker, you know, really has catapulted this Knicks team to being really competent and sufficient in the half court because of his com- his composure having that experience in the playoffs. So this is the matchup I'm looking to get looking at because Marcus smart. He's a top tier defender, man. He's a dog. Like th- there's no better way to describe him. So that's my key matchup going into this game. Would you agree with that? Are you looking at a different matchup? What are your thoughts?
2: Yeah. He, he's assuming smart plays. I, I think that's a good one because it's kind of the, the head of the snake for both teams, right? Like it's point of attack guys. You're going at it. I think, uh, if smart plays, look for some of those possessions where they put them down in the post against Brunson, I know Tibbs doesn't like to switch, right? It's you, you gotta be able to hold your own. I want to, you know, want to you know, we're going to ice those pick and rolls, but we're not going to be a super switch heavy team where we're, we're going to kind of, you know, you, you got to defend your spot, uh, with that. It's, it's one of those things where I think it's a lot will depend on who else plays, if jalen brown plays then if boston is relatively whole you're gonna see someone is gonna try to do what they can to get jalen brunson on the block and go after him a little bit less so but probably some of that with quentin grimes too not a good size for a guard but he's not brown tatum type size guy if smart doesn't play i think the key matchup becomes rj barrett and jason tatum um barrett has done at times a pretty good job on tatum defensively like Mm -hmm. he does a good job getting up into him um and then there's been other games when they've played and it's like he's not even there and i don't know what's going on with him so that's where you know that's i love rj barrett but man bring the consistency and like the kid's going to be an all-star it's just this you know sometimes he's there sometimes he's not and that's where it gets a little messy uh with him so that's that's I, i think the big thing i think the biggest thing that'll be is who's healthy for Boston who actually plays in this game and who doesn't. My guess is probably everybody except for maybe Marcus smart, but, but we'll see.
1: Okay. Okay. So let's go through that injury. Let's go through the injuries real quick because as of right now, and I'm looking at ESPN and uh, you know, looking at ESPN right now to see who's in and who's out right now. You have Marcus smart. Who's declared is out. You have Jalen Brown as doubtful. Uh, or not, doubtful day to day. You have Al Horford as day to day, and you also have Malcolm Brogdon as day to day as well. So, with all those guys, who are, you're expecting Brown, Horford, and Brogdon to be in tomorrow?
2: Yeah, I would expect, um, what Brogdon is by all accounts, and we don't know this for certain because he hasn't, as far as I know, said anything. It sounds like there's a baby on the way, and I don't know where that mm. is at for him, so we'll see with him. Uh, Brown is. They said they rested him because he woke. He had an adductor injury that kept him out for about a week. Then he came back and played. Then he was a little sore, so they they held him out against Miami on the back to back because he woke up feeling a little sore. My guess is with the day off, he's probably good to go. Horford will be in there. Horford's he doesn't play the second end of back to backs now. He's that's the point he's at in his career. He plays the front end, does not play the second end, so he'll definitely be in there. So probably. And smart. We'll see. My guess is probably not just the way that injury looked. Brogdon's a little more up in the air, but I think Brown and Horford will both definitely be out there.
1: Okay. And just looking at this list and I, I got to ask because, you know, the Celtics are looking to make that deep playoff run and get back to the championship. Do you expect them to be making any moves by the deadline to improve this roster, especially when you see injuries like this or guys who need some maintenance?
2: Yeah, I think the, they're they're definitely looking. They're they're looking at adding a wing. They're looking at adding a big, um if they can, just to kind of have that depth and that just just in case kind of guy there. That doesn't tend to usually come on the, the trade market though, and that they're kind of limited in what they can deal because any of their significant salaries belong to key rotation guys. So it's not you know mm-hmm. it's not like they have. And I'm not picking a lot of Derrick Rose, but the Knicks have Derrick Rose at you know 13 14 million. Not in the rotation. Mm-hmm. That's you can trade that without subtracting anything from your roster mm-hmm. as far as your rotation goes. Celtics don't have a guy like that in their rotation right in, in their on their roster right now, I should say. So that's a little tricky. It's there's not going to be any kind of big moves that they make. I think where they'll be more active is on the buyout market. They'll wait and see. Okay. All right, who pops free? You know, all right, this guy came free and we can go get him. That that's what I think you're going to see them do. Is they'll add another veteran or two, uh, guys nice. who are. Probably at the phase of their career where if I don't play very much, that's fine. Like another Blake Griffin type who's just kind of on the Mm. back of the bench, plays about once a week, and he's good with Mm that. And off we go. And if they need him, he can play a little bit more. That's probably more what they're looking at.
1: Okay. Okay. Now, getting back to this matchup, you know, you you, you spoke on like RJ and the inconsistency, and definitely we saw that. uh, I see that on a night to night basis, especially the defense. The defense is kind of taking a step back. So, when you talk about Tatum and RJ, you know, I was at that game, RJ's rookie season where Tatum had that step back baseline jumper. I was in, I was at TD garden. I watched that after Marcus Morris hit that big three. So just don't give me another thing like that. Cause that's how shaky his defense has been this <laughs> season, but his offense, he's now come together. His offense is a little bit more consistent. He's more patient. He's not pressing as much. His playmaking is starting to show up. So I can see how that's going to be a key matchup as well. Um, I'm just curious because for the starting rotation, you know, Quentin Grimes is our best defender. I'd probably think, you know, I think height wise he's gonna probably be guarding Jalen Brown, just because I think asking because was Tatum like six eight, right? He's like six eight, six nine. I think I think yeah, he's, probably, he's Grimes, six
2: nine, probably closer, really closer to six ten.
1: Wow, that's that's a gap because even there was some times where we saw Grimes defending Pascal Siakam, and I was like, it's a bit of a stretch. Um, he did, he, he held his own, but it's, it's a lot to ask. So I would expect Grimes to be defending Brown, who I feel like I don't even give enough shine to man, uh, uh, who should probably get more shine because you can even add, you can even throw that in there that he's probably a big reason why Tam's able to look like an MVP on that team as well. We're talking about, uh, our previous co- our, our earlier talks, but what do you expect from Brown, uh, in this game? Cause I feel like he usually shows up for all these next games too.
2: Yeah. He, Jim Brown, His. He used to be kind of like RJ Barrett, where it'd be like, All right, Jalen Brown scored 30 tonight, and then the next night he'd score 10. And it'd be like, All right, that's how we're getting to be a 20 point per game scorer. That feels a little not great, right? If you know, but everybody will tell you, Give me 20 every night versus 30 and 10, you know, back to back nights. Like it's just not where you want to be. So I think with Jalen Brown, it is as you look at it, is now he's consistent. He, he he hits the jump shot. He gets to his spots. He's super patient now when he drives. He doesn't overdrive and you know kind of go crashing into guys. He he remains. He's, he's well robert williams is the best athlete on the team but brown's Mm. very close second um he's you know his straight line speed is unbelievable and then he can just he's that guy who you look like all right he's going in for a layup and the next thing you know he's punching one on you it's like whoa Mm. i didn't you know that that came at the last second when he kind of got there he decided you know i'm gonna dunk this um he's he's tough i i think you're right with your matchups I, i think grimes will probably check brown because he used to be with jason tatum You'd put a small guy on him because he could disrupt his dribble, get up in underneath him, and it really bothered him. Now Tatum's tightened up his handle enough. That doesn't necessarily bother him, but what he loves to do is he loves to take smaller guys into the mid-post area. And then he just, without even a dribble, he just turns and shoots over them because they're they're not going to bother his shot. You've got to have some size and length to get to his jump shot. So that's something they'll they'll seek those matchups out if they can get them in transition or on switches or whatever it is they'll look for those but yeah and it's i'm glad you said that about brown because the way i think of them is i I think of it as they're they're two number ones it's 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 it's, it's not a one and one a it's not a one and a two it's not a uh you know batman and robin this is more like batman and superman in a lot of ways where it's mm. like you know they're and i'm not saying they are you know, that level of guys, you know, necessarily, but that's how it's seen in Boston is like, hey, these guys are both the guy. Maybe Tatum, not maybe, Tatum is a little bit further ahead and JC can do a little bit more in his game. He's a little bit more of a um, consistent, better defender than Brown is. Brown picks and chooses the spots on that end of the floor, but they two, two all star guys, probably two guys that are going to be all NBA level consideration. I mean, that's, you know, I mean, in the league where everybody wants good wings the celtics have in my opinion easily the best wing duo in the league when you factor in the fact they play most often nights too maybe that could be Kawhi and paul george but playing more than you know 10 games a season together and then then we can have that conversation
1: absolutely and you know out of out of the two i've always you know i just love basketball in general and when i watch those two i always find myself liking brown more than tatum and i think it's just there's there's just there's just something as you said like the deception i feel like i like brown's deception I like athleticism how he can play and to be honest i also like the way he played in the finals last last year is that he Pretty really top. he was yeah. he was top shelf the way he mm-hmm. was performing you know in in a lot of aspects he was carrying that team too so i really like how he stepped up in that in that performance but for me man getting back to this game i'm really more concerned with Your play style, you you know, you talked about launching threes. The Celtics put up their second most in the NBA when it comes to launching threes at about 42 threes per game. Now, you guys are also great percentage wise You're in the top 10. You're number nine in the NBA with making with the three-point percentage at 37%. As a Knicks fan, especially since Tibbs loves to rely on drop coverage, you know, we've seen it bite us so many times, man. We've just seen it bite us so many times. And that's going to be my biggest question coming to this game is will Tivs make that adjustment to stop the three point launches? Because, you know, you got, we, we get that. We, we understand that the, the t- it's going to be t- this team, the Knicks love to stop, but they love to protect the paint is build bit more difficult without Mitchell Robinson. There Sims is doing a fine job. Hartenstein, eh. but teams have been killing us on three, man. And That's where I think this game is really going to come down to is can the Knicks keep up offensively? Because when you have, you know, Brunson, RJ and Randall hitting from three as well, and it's not as consistent as what the Celtics are doing, then we can have a game. But if we're not going to be hitting our threes and the way we play defense or defending the three, that's highly, that's a major concern for me. So I guess my question for you is, is this three point percentage number like is it inflated because there's just nights where the Celtics are really hot and then really cold, or are they very consistent when it comes to making
0: threes?
2: Yeah, they're, they tend to be more consistent. What happened was they started out and they were making everything. And that was why they were historically good offense to open the season. Mm. Then where it went after that was, it turned into, they were just pretty good, like just, you know, average. And then they went through a stretch in December where they couldn't make anything, and it was really tough. And now they're coming back into, they're not at the level they were in the first month or so of the year, but they're back to hitting at a pretty good clip. And that's in what it is is they create them in a lot of different ways, and why they're so good is they create a lot of wide-open ones, whether it is, attacking drop coverage dribbling directly into them themselves they've got a whole bunch of guys who can do that tatum can do it brown can do it smart can do it on the nights where he's hitting derrick white can do it brogdon can obviously do it even peyton pritchard they'll let him do do that on the nights where he's playing pretty good uh with that they've got a bunch of guys who can screen to open those shots up so whether it's Graham williams if he's out there al horford is obviously a great screamer screener rob williams is really tough Uh, As Williams' gravity increases as he rolls, that just tends to open things up even more at the arc. Uh, They're also really good at driving kick. They're spacing all year. Even when they're not making their shots, the spacing remains pretty good and solid. So so their offense is just really tough. It's very funny to talk about a Boston-New York matchup where it does feel like whoever is better – and can outscore the other one is going to win, which seems weird because these are two teams that over the last few years have been more reliant on their defense. Mm -hmm. But the Celtics' defense, it's still good, but it's not what it was. And then when I look at the Knicks, their defense is real, especially over the last, like, three four weeks it's really started to slide like they're they're now I think out of the top 10 I want to say they're Mm -hmm. like 13th or 14th uh, depending on which metric you use uh, to to measure the defensive efficiency and it's just a little weird where it feels like man they became a pretty good offensive team but all of a sudden now we're sliding that way so I, I am with you I think a lot of this probably depends on making shots say if you're making shots not to go all uh what do they call it now nba today uh, make or miss league um you (laughs) know like they like to play but i I do think that is part of it it's it's who's making shots is gonna be a major saying who wins these games
1: yeah absolutely that's why this three-point shooting is, is gonna be very interesting for me because the knicks like we could score on the paint but i also look at the celtics length right the versatility of this team you guys got robert williams Al Horford, Tatum, like those three alone, that's protecting the paint pretty well. And, you know, sure, Randall. Randall's really good when it comes to to contact, when he gets down on the block and he wants to be physical. RJ can be physical as well when it comes to driving. But it comes back to Brunson, man. And Brunson has continued to impress the way he's able to use his footwork, create separation, you know, 15 feet or in from around the basket. So I expect him to get his, but more so on him is like you got – you got Marcus Smart, who's going to be on you if he's back. And then you got to go into a wall of defenders. So that's why this three point shooting, you know, if, if we can get a replicate, like uh, a replica, like something similar to what we got yesterday from Randall, it's definitely going to help us a lot.
3: If you're a basketball junkie, then, you know, there's no better time of year than the NBA playoffs.
0: Just go to indeed.com slash blue wire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's indeed.com slash Bluewire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need indeed.
1: But well, you know, there's another part of this game too that we gotta discuss, and that's the bench. All right. And interesting interestingly enough, this used to be the Knicks strength. Now it is not. We are 26. Uh, in the NBA when it comes to points off the bench, but the Celtics are not th- that far ahead. They're the 20th. So the bench is, even though it's, I would say a little bit more well-rounded right now than what the Knicks have, we're not that far apart for our bench units. So give me a little bit of uh give me some of your thoughts about the bench and, you know, especially with Missoula's strategy, because earlier in the show, you mentioned how you don't want to be playing Tatum and Brown that many minutes he kind of can go that direction too. And you want to see them not have to do that because as you also said, they were gassed by the finals last season. So do you think, do you see, how, how do you, how does Missoula plan to utilize his bench? What are your thoughts on that?
2: Yeah. Assuming he plays, you can pencil Malcolm Brogdon in for probably 15 to 20 points. That's generally what he gives them. Mm-hmm. And part of the Celtics bench struggles is, that's the only guy you know for certain is going to give you best mm. production as far as scoring goes so he gets the bulk of it grant williams comes down to is he taking shots because if he's taking shots he generally hits at a pretty good clip but there's every once in a while he goes through these weird stretches where it's just like he won't shoot it's like he doesn't doesn't feel like he's open enough or he's like i'm gonna drive every closeout instead of just taking the shot and those kind of things uh if well well they the bench has been weird because they haven't had Robert Williams for a large chunk of the year. Then when they got it back, Jalen Brown went out for a brief period of time, and they've just been in a weird spot. If they've got their guys, you know, then Peyton Pritchard will probably play some if Smart is out. It's, again, highly relying on is he making his shots. If he's making his shots, which he tends to do at a pretty high rate in Boston, um, that'll be a lift. They can get anything out of Sam Hauser. That's another lift, but the problem is he's just not doing anything right now. He's just oh. been completely gone missing. I mean, this guy was shooting like fifty percent from yeah, three in that. the first two months, and now he's down like under thirty. So it's like, getting he's he's very he holds up better defensively than I think. He gets that typical like, oh, he's a slow white shooter. Like, so we can attack him on defense. He actually holds up okay, um, defensive, but holding up okay while shooting fifty percent is great. We'll all live with that. Holding up okay on defense while shooting 30% from three, not good. Get him out of the lineup. So we'll see what happens. I, I you know, they're Joe Missoula is kind of mixing and match right now a little bit. One thing you'll see is to close the first quarter and probably the third quarter will be Jalen Brown with, three or four mm. reserves, and then to open the the second and fourth quarters is Jason Tatum, usually with three or four reserves, depending on how many guys deep uh, Missoula goes. He'll play Luke Cornett. We'll get in the mix there, especially where the Knicks almost always have two bigs. On the floor, Boston will probably match with that. I don't think they'll go small all that much uh, in this game. I think you'll see, you know, Rob and Horford play a lot. Grant Williams will play a lot with each of those two guys. Cornette will get in the mix uh, with them. He's uh, he's not what he was with the Knicks. Cornette doesn't do the three-point bombing anymore like, you know, like the old <laughs> days. He's mostly playing around the basket. Um, but he's been really good for the Celtics. As far as the fourth big goes, can't ask for a whole lot more. He's been productive as a screen setter and a role man. Uh his, his uh, defense has been okay i don't know if you've picked up he you've watched enough of the celtics he does that like goofy they call it the cornet contest oh, now where grief. you know you match him up against like julius randall and he doesn't close out but instead he jumps straight up from you know 20 feet away and yeah does it to try to block and it's the numbers show you it's been fairly you know effective but a guy like randall who can actually put the ball on the floor He'll catch him with that probably a couple times where he'll he'll turn the fake, Cornette will will do the contest, and then next thing you know he's driving because he didn't actually come out and close out or get in his way at all. So that becomes a little little odd. But yeah, I mean the bench is good, their bench is solid, but it doesn't they don't necessarily always produce in ways in terms of points scored and those kind of things. They ask those guys to do a lot of other stuff instead.
1: Julius, I hope you're hearing this, man, because if Lou Cornett is out there <laughs> and he's getting, and he's jumping in the air, you better give that pump fake an attack, man. That's what I'm looking for. Okay. You know, it, everything that you talked about for the Celtics bench kind of r- rings true for what how the Knicks have been operating off their bench. You know, our guy that's been pretty consistent since he's been back on the bench is Emmanuel Quickly. You know, when Brunson was out during the last week of December, Quickly was a starter, and he, it kind of helped him getting those extended minutes Helped him get back into rhythm. Now he's shooting well. You know, we're able to see him attack the paint more. He's utilizing that floater, drawing fouls. His playmaking is up. So that aspect, like when you, who's the most reliable guy? For you, it's Malcolm Brogdon. For us, it's Emmanuel quickly. And the question is, will everyone else, you know, fill in and contribute? You know, Miles McBride, not going to lie, last night he shocked me by the way he attacked the basket. I've never seen him attack the basket so aggressively. He's usually very passive. He did it once. I was shook. To be honest with you. So (laughs) if he can if he can replicate that type of intensity, because on defense, he's gonna be a hound. So I already know what we're gonna get out of him. You know, Arzara Hartenstein, he had a solid game last night, had the big play against Donovan Mitchell, just being a wall to stop Mitchell from driving the paint, getting a game tying bucket. So it'll be let's see. I want to see from Hartenstein if he can give us some consistent games because he really hasn't been utilized as the way we want him to see, like being a passing big scoring. Sims has been treating him like he's, you know, like a Mitchell Robinson or a Jericho Sims as being this rim protector, which last night he showed it, <laughs> you know, that was shocking, but he, that's not really, I feel like who his entire game is, even though he, th- even though he said that he can do those things, I see him more as like on the offensive side. And I'm hoping to get a little bit more of that. Cause we saw four assists from him last night. And I'd hope he can continue that going into this game. Cause we're going to need as, me- as much playmaking as possible to go against the Celtics. And then, Got to ask you about this guy because you tweeted about it earlier this week when the Knicks played the Raptors. Obi Toppin, it seems like he's getting his legs back. Even in your tweet, which I'm going to read word for word for Toronto, New York Knicks thoughts. I don't know, Raptors, whatever. You confuse me. Boucher is way up there for most confusing Raptor. I agree with that. This was a game to try Randall in front court. I 100% agree with that. At least a little. Obi was cooking. And then the last one, as we already touched on, was next up for RJ's finding consistency. He could be an all-star if he does. So we touched on RJ. Let's get to that Obi Toppin thing because you saw him cooking. You watched that game. You you said you could see the Randall Toppin front court. We've seen a little bit of that this season. What are your thoughts on Obi Toppin?
2: And, and what did you see from him
1: that game and, and overall?
2: Yeah, he... I love the energy he plays with Um, we talked about it with jalen brown that straight line drive speed straight down the court like he has that he's got that athleticism to get up um you know and do a lot of things around the basket area you can give them that vertical spacing i really it's funny because i said this to somebody and then i said it like a Few games later, I was like, Mitchell Robinson is out. Maybe we'll see some Top and a Randall. And I was like, no, nah, that's on me for being the idiot. Like, that's just never, I just feel like it's never going to happen. Right. I just, I, it's for whatever reason, Tibbs doesn't like it and doesn't want to do it. But there's certain games where I feel like that's the one to do it. Right. They're like, like that Toronto game, they play a whole bunch of dudes that are the exact same size. Mm-hmm. Like, you didn't necessarily need to have Jericho Sims out there. I want to say that night he played like 25 minutes. And that's not a knock on Jericho Sims. I think. You know, he's done well. And I kind of agree with starting him just to leave everybody else in their roles. Mm-hmm. But I, I think the idea is I would just like to see on the nights when Toppin is hitting his jumpers, he's playing with energy, he's doing stuff on the glass. Those are the nights to say, all right, you know what? Instead of going back to Sims for the second rotation, you stay out there, Toppin. You're gonna stay. Julius Randall's gonna come in and we'll I'll figure it out. You know, with it you know, fine topping you slide over and play a little bit at a little bit at the five maybe randall will play you a little bit at the five whatever it is you, you can you can get into that but it's, it just seems like he's destined to Julius randall plays 38 minutes and he's gonna play his 10 and that's life that's just how it's gonna be and it's it's tough because i think he can do more i think he can really help this team i think mm-hmm. there's a lot of things he can do i just want to see see it and there's those games where it's like this is the night and the celtics are another team they they're not gonna put a ton of rim pressure on you where you have to be super worried about it and here's the thing too is if all of a sudden you're playing t- Toppin and randall and boston gets downhill for three straight layups fine yank them out and say see this is, and then say hey idiots like keith smith this is why i don't do it right because it, it becomes this kind of mess and then all right i get it i can't really counter but man i, I like it I, it's it's funny when i look at the Knicks roster there's a lot of guys that are really like emmanuel quickly is one of my favorite players in the league mm. loved him coming into the draft i have this thing for tough little guards i love the fact that he got on the boards at kentucky yep. um, as a little guard you know he's only about six foot three or so he can shoot I, i'd like to see him get a little more consistent with the shooting um It's it's been a little odd. I thought thought he might develop a little bit more into being a point guard instead of an off ball guy, but it's fine. You know he'll carve out a very long, uh, productive career with that. I I do like um I like Jalen Brunson a lot. Again, tough small guard. Like he can he's just gonna give you everything he has. But I really love Obi Toppin man. I would just it just feels like every time he gets in the game, good stuff happens, and then it lasts for five minutes a half, and then you don't see it again. And that's for me, that's just not enough. And, and you
1: know what? I, I I sent out a tweet saying, you know, it's just watching him come back off an of injury. Maybe it's a little bit of, you know, uh, how he's trying to get comfortable back on the court because of his leg injury. I think also it's part of it. Like, how is the coach utilizing him and thinking of how to get him engaged in some of these games? But you know what? Since playing against Toronto, it seems like he's found his confidence again between playing Toronto and Cleveland these last two games through 21 minutes combined. He has 25 points. He is shooting <laughs> six of eight from downtown. You know, he went one uh, one for two from the free throw line. Uh, he's what? He's got nine for let me do so nine for 13 from the field. Like he's just efficient once he gets on the on the court. He's got you one assist, one steal, and four rebounds during that time. I would like to see him do more on the rebound on the boards, but you can only do so much when you're out there for 10 and 11 minutes. So yep. I I understand that but yeah he's I, just such it, an impactful player i just want to see more of him as well being part of the OBI hive myself
2: <laughs> and I, I didn't mean to interrupt you but for me it's like i want to stop talking about him as one of the most productive per minute players because let's just let him be a productive player right yeah. because some of that per minute production will slide down a little bit because i think part of it is he knows I'm going to play five, six minutes per half. So I'm going to go hard in my five or six minutes. I'm going to sprint the floor. I'm going to sprint to my spots. I'm going to, you know, crash hard to the rim and those kind of things. And that'll change a little bit. If he did turn into a 25 minute a night guy, that'll change into a little of like, all right, we, you you can't go that hard all the time because you just, you don't have that kind of energy built up, but I just feel like it's, you know, let's see, you know, because I think there's just something more there that he can really help that team with. And he just, you know, it kills me that he
1: doesn't get the opportunity absolutely and i look at him as like how he helped last night being so hyper efficient in his minutes i look at him being that pivotal contributor next to emmanuel quickly for this knicks celtics matchup you know if you get quickly going and you get top and going i, I think it's going to be a it'll be a tough a, a tough matchup uh, for the celtics but like you also mentioned you know you talked about the staggering of like tatum brown and all those guys with the second unit and that's what the Knicks do as well. That's why it's so fascinating how similar it is between the Knicks and the Celtics where, you know, we'll be either RJ Barrett. Sometimes you'll have Brunson and Randall out there with some of those guys. Like they really try to mix and match or even sometimes grinds with the second unit. Sometimes it like, that's where I'll say like Tibbs has improved as coaching, like figuring out how to stagger these minutes. But I also mm-hmm. think it's out of necessity as well, because those are your top three scores, you know, quickly can give you some scoring topic. can could be hyper-efficient when he's on. But if you need some consistency, it's going to be between our big three or everyone likes to joke the mid three, but <laughs> that's where most of the scoring comes from. So sure. Keith, you know, thank you again for coming on the show. Let's wrap this thing up by giving our score predictions for this game. So what do you got going? I'll let the guests go first and what, how he thinks this game is going to turn out.
2: Soft. Mm, Cause I think it will be higher scoring than what we yeah. maybe think. I think Boston's going to, they haven't been home in a week and they haven't been home a lot in the last like month. So I think they're going to really get a big lift from the crowd. I think they'll be mostly healthy. So I'm going to say Celtics say something in the 115 to probably like 108 range, I think. I think they'll win, but I think it'll be close. I think the next thing it seems like these teams generally play close games. It feels like they either play really close games or just massive blowouts. You know, and it's it's not close, but I I think this will be close. I think the Knicks will keep it close, but but Celtics in the end, outscore them, hit a few more shots, and that's how they win.
1: I think this is gonna be a close one, to be honest with you. I do agree that it's gonna be high scoring. I think it's gonna be a close one. It will come down to who makes the defensive stop when needed. Um, so I'm gonna go with I'm going you're choosing Celtics. I gotta choose my Knicks, man. I'm gonna go. <laughs> oh, no. Uh I gotta go one. I think it's gonna be a little higher score than we expect. I think it's gonna be like a 117, one. 14 affair Knicks going going out there. I feel like something it's you're right because it's either both teams show up or no one or like one of the teams don't show up at all. I feel like with the Knicks coming off this big win against Cleveland, I would hope that they have some sort of confidence going into this one. I I don't know about the defense for this one uh, just because like last week. You know, just to give you some numbers, <laughs> you know, we had, uh, you know, even though this game went to overtime, 123, 121 loss to the Raptors, 116, 105 loss to the Wizards, 139, 124 loss to the Atlanta Hawks, 125, 116 loss to the to the Raptors again. Now, it was a lower scoring affair for this one, but 105, 103. So I agree that's going to be in triple digits. This is how the NBA is going this season. But yeah. I think it's going to be closer to the games that we saw previously just because I think this is going to be a little bit more of a difficult matchup uh, defensively.
2: And then, now that we've said that it's going to be like the celtics knicks games i grew up on as a kid it'll oh be good word 590 rock fight and oh no my goodness make a jump shot and it'll be like what happened here like what you know well, why is no one making shots and i i, I don't think it'll be you know guys getting dropped on the paint with uh you know and then laughed at as they you know picked themselves up with blood pouring out of their noses and stuff but <laughs> hey hey hey, that's not the nba anymore but you know just now that we picked both picked a, a high scoring game it probably won't be it's just how it goes right <laughs>
1: Oh, that's that's usually how it goes. And I, I think I'm gonna be at this game too. So I'll, I'll be there in person. So hopefully it's not a, a, a brick affair. Hopefully it's <laughs> some good offense, good pace to the game. Hopefully, no uh refs wanna just make the show up for themselves because yes. that's another issue.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nobody wants that. Nobody, nobody, if we want to watch a free throw shooting contest, we'll go down to the CYO on a Saturday and watch the, the kids <laughs> shoot free throws. <laughs> nobody wants that in an NBA game. Let the players decide it.